Thanks for downloading or purchasing this sermon from Christchurch Forward. To find out more, visit forwardchurch.co.uk or join us on Sundays. Well, if you think down through history and across the world today, atheism has largely been a minority viewpoint. Most people have believed in a God of some sort. Now, of course, that doesn't make any religion true, but it is interesting how pervasive and how persistent religious conviction is. Now, of course, certainty about anything has certainly waned in the West. Indeed, the only thing that most Westerners are certain about is that they are certain about their uncertainty. You can be certain about uncertainty, you certainly can't be certain about God. And in an age when religion is out but spirituality is in, many in the West have sympathy with the Oasis frontman, Liam Golliger, when he said this, I don't pray and I don't go to church, but I'm intrigued by it. I dig it. I'm into the idea that there could be a God and aliens and reincarnation and some geezer years ago turning water into wine. I don't believe when you die you die. And yet, you know, a vague sort of sense that there must be a God is for many people overshadowed by the rather unsettling question that religion presents. So many views of God. Which God is the best God? And how can you know? Here's how the actors Angelina Jolie and Brad Pitt have resolved the problem in their household. Uh, This is from an interview with Angelina Jolie from last year in the press. She said this, Brad got me this great thing for Christmas. It's a bookshelf that has a book on every religion. That's how we plan to raise our kids. Teach them about all religions. They can pick one or be a student of them all. Now, of course, if you were asked many people what's wrong with the world, they would reply, religions. Or more specifically, the claim of religions that their God is the best God. That, it's claimed, inevitably leads to intolerance. It was apparently Karl Popper who argued that the belief that one has the right view is always implicitly totalitarian. For it is a short step from the confidence that says, I am sure I am right, to the tyranny that says, therefore, I must be obeyed. Although I do tend to think Popper presumably thought he was really right, and so whether his certainty was a short step from tyranny is a mute point. But the question remains, what are we to make of the competing truth claims of different religions. Is the Christian God the only God? If not, who is the best God? Well, according to the small yellow one of wisdom, Bart Simpson, it's all Christianity people. The little stupid differences are nothing next to the big stupid similarities. In other words, some people look at the world's religion and they conclude that they're all basically saying the same thing. That there's a common theme that unites them. And if only people could actually see that, then the world would be a much happier place. Instead of trying to convert one another, we'd actually start living with one another. 
Perhaps what we need is what the novelist Jasper Ford has put in one of his novels, is a GSD, a global standard deity. So much as the mobile phone companies are moving towards having global standard phone charges to reduce confusion, maybe it would just solve a lot of problems if we had a global standard deity. So Ford writes this in his novel, noting with dismay that most cross-religion bickering occurred only because all the major religions were convinced that they had the right one and every other religion was the wrong one. The founders of the global standard deity based their fledgling faith on the premise that most religions want the same thing. Once all the shameless political power play has been subtracted. Peace, stability, equality and justice, the same as the non-faiths. As soon as they had found that centralising thread that unites all people, the GSD flourished. All religions are basically saying the same thing. And if only those people who follow them could actually see that, the world would be a happier place. As Rudyard Kipling put it, many roads thou hast fashioned, all of them lead to the light. Now I think that that position is problematic for at least two reasons. Number one, whatever commonality there might be between many of the world's religions, even the most cursory examination of the world's faith reveals that at their most fundamental and basic convictions, they are saying things that are diametrically opposite. So, Buddhism doesn't believe in a god. It's a non-theistic ethical discipline. Buddhism doesn't believe in a god. Christianity believes in a personal God. It's difficult to get something more fundamentally different than that, isn't it? Or Islam. Islam believes that Jesus was just a man, albeit a good, a great prophet. Islam believes that Jesus was just a good man who never died on a cross. But Christianity, Christianity believes that Jesus was God in human form and he did die on a Roman cross. To say that they're basically saying the same thing is a failure to examine the evidence. And actually, you have to say, isn't it somewhat patronising to those of all faiths that these real differences are not really differences? The second reason why I think saying that all religions are basically saying the same thing, and if only people could see that, that the world would be a happier place, the second reason why I think that's problematic is the privileged position it unwittingly assumes. In the face of religious claims to know the truth, it appears to chart a humble way forward. So the analogy that's often used is of blind men exploring the surface anatomy of an elephant. To one, God appears like a a kind of thick leg, to another as a, a bendy trunk, and to another as a sort of flappy ear. They're all describing the same thing, they just can't see it. Now, of course, in order to make that assessment, you have to be able to see what everyone else cannot. Advocates of the world religions may be blind, but you alone can see the elephant for what it really is. And, of course, such a claim to know the truth is no less exclusive than the claims of anyone else. Here's another way that people try and explain away religious truth claims, and that's to privatise them. Believe what you like, but keep it to yourself. Then, then the world will be a happier place. 
He may not be light bedtime reading, but I do like the way Prof- Professor Terry Eagleton, who's uh, one of the leading, world's leading literary theorists, put it when he said this about the privatisation of faith. He said, liberal society's highest good is to leave believers to get on with it unmolested. Rather as the English would walk by if you were bleeding at the roadside, not because they're hard-hearted, but because they would be loath to interfere with your privacy. Private. Keep it private. I'm happy to accept that Christianity can be true for you. Just don't start telling me that it has to be true for me too. The journalist Joan Batewell put it like this. All the religions are real in that they exist in the minds and spirits of the people who hold them. I don't think that Jesus rose from the dead. But I don't go around saying that he didn't. I don't have to dismantle it for people who hold those views. I just say, it's not for me. I'm quite comfortable with that. And so would he be if he could hear me. Now again, privatisation of religious brief seems superficially attractive, but I think it's problematic for at least two reasons. Number one, it fails to take seriously what at least Christians claim about their faith, that it's about events that happened in time, space, history. Jesus either left his footprints in the sands of Palestine or he didn't. He either died on a Roman cross or he didn't. He either rose from the grave or he didn't. The idea that because Christianity kind of helps me to live a meaningful life, and therefore it's true, is actually to confuse truth with usefulness. Something may well be useful, but it doesn't make it true. The idea that Jesus rose from the dead in the minds of Christians doesn't seem to me to be a mark of reality, but insanity. Second problem, I think, with the idea that religion can just be true for an individual, that it can be a private thing, that it exists just in the mind of believer. The problem, again, is, well, how do you know? How do you know that? What privileged position allows you to have the unshakable insight into the way things really are? Again, it seems to me that it's a position that is no less exclusive in its claim to know truth than, say, the claims of Christianity. It's the rejection of one certainty whilst embracing another. So instead of my God is the best God, it's my explanation of religious belief is the best explanation of religious belief. One certainty rejected, another embraced. Now, of course, the conclusion of a vociferous and sometimes well-educated minority is that all religions are wrong. There isn't even one God, still less a best God among many. Christopher Hitchens puts it bluntly. One must state it plainly. Religion comes from the period of human prehistory where nobody had the smallest idea what was going on. And if the Hitchens' religion is wrong and ignorant, it is for Richard Dawkins wrong and evil. As he memorably wrote, faith is one of the world's greatest evils. Comparable to the smallpox virus, but harder to eradicate. And yet you do think at some levels Dawkins is right, isn't he? Institutional religion has been the source of great evil throughout history. 
Responsible, as the writer A.N. Wilson puts it, for wars, tyrannies, and the suppression of the truth. Yet when you think of the likes of Joseph Stalin and Pol Pot, institutional atheism is hardly lily-white and guilt-free. It's almost as if there is something deep within the human heart, a problem that can neither be solved by religion nor atheism. It reminds me of the the 19th, 20th century writer and columnist G.K. Chesterton when the Times ran a a correspondence about what was wrong with the world. And G.K. Chesterton famously wrote to the Times a very short letter. Dear Sir, I am. Now maybe there is something much more fundamentally problematic with the human heart than neither atheism nor religion can deal with. And yet at another level, although Dawkins may be onto something... The position of people like Dawkins and Hitchens is not faith-free, for the reality is it is impossible for any of us to live without a set of faith assumptions about the nature of reality. Everyone has faith. See, many like uh, Hitchens and Dawkins think that life is, as my chemistry teacher put it, an expression of, of biochemistry. It's nothing more. As one academic put it, we are no more than a biological accident and not even an accident waiting to happen. And yet people like Dawkins and Hitchens, who on their own assumptions believe that the brain is an entirely random phenomenon, nevertheless believe, have faith, trust that their mind is capable of leading them to a true perception of reality rather than a false one. Now, if that's not faith, I don't know what is. If your mind is an expression of random chemistry, why do you suppose for one moment your reason can be trusted? It's impossible for any of us to live without a set of faith assumptions about the nature of reality. And you know, isn't it true that everyone thinks that their view of the world is right? Even people who believe there is no right view, or you can't know what the right view is, they think that's right. Everyone thinks their view of the world is right. If you don't think your view of the world is right, presumably you'll change it to something else, won't you? Having said that, there was an extraordinary article in the Metro a couple of weeks back, you know, the freebie paper that you get on the tube. Of course, everything in, everything in it's got to be true, hasn't it? But there was a, an article a couple of week, weeks back on um, the Trekkie conventions, Star Trek conventions, which are a bit of a kind of religious phenomenon, if you saw the picture. But apparently, Leonard Nimoy, a.k.a. Dr. Spock, is retiring from Trekkie conventions. But he apparently has such a massive fan base that he has, in fact, an online church devoted to his character. It's called the Church of Spock of the Latter-day Science Officers. And I know that for some of you, the first thing you'll do when you get back this evening is to Google it, but it's really there. Now, granted, there is nothing as crazy as a religious crazy. But where do you actually begin to answer this question? Are you the only God? Who is the best God? Because when you begin to think about this subject, it feels as if it drags almost everything in that men and women have every thought about life, the universe, and everything. So where do you try to begin to get an answer? Christianity claims that there is only one God. And that he has made himself known in history in the person of Jesus Christ. 
So a good place to start is to consider the unique claims of Jesus Christ. Now, doubtless there's much more that could be said, but that seems a reasonable place to start when you're trying to get your head around such a massive topic. I'm not asking you to agree with the unique claims of Jesus Christ, merely to engage with them, to ask the question of Jesus Christ. Was he right or was he wrong? So let me outline to you three unique claims of Christianity. Number one, God became man in history in Jesus Now, the popular understanding of religion is that it's about our search for God. Whereas Christianity says that we don't seek God. In fact, we avoid him. Nevertheless, God seeks us. God steps into our world to show us what he's like. And in Jesus' own words, he comes to find people who are lost. And if you read any of the accounts of Jesus' life, you find that over and over again, explicitly and implicitly, he claims to be God in human history. And when you do read the accounts of Jesus' life, as I did when I was 17, you discover that he is at one and the same time both compelling and troubling. Compelling because, as Susanna was saying, he seems to give persuasive and credible answers to life's biggest questions. Troubling because even as we are asking questions of him, it feels as if he is asking questions of us. The Oxford Don C.S. Lewis, probably more famous to many people through his children's writing, the Narnia Chronicles, likens children playing at burglars and men dabbling in religion. And he says this, there comes a moment when the children who have been playing at burglars hush suddenly. Was that a real footstep in the hall? There comes a moment when people who have been dabbling in religion suddenly draw back. Supposing we really found him. We never meant it to come to that. Worse still. Supposing he found us. Unique claims, Jesus Christ... The first unique one is that if religion is about our search for God, Christianity is about God's search for us. God, in human history, in Jesus. The second unique claim of Christianity. Jesus died on a cross to secure our forgiveness. I guess one of the things that really rankles those who are not Christians is the idea that the Christian message asserts some sort of moral superiority. You know, you you Christians, you always think that you're better than everyone else. Not only is the idea that Christianity is about moral superiority irritating, it is also clearly contrary to much of the available evidence. 
The fact is that there are plenty of people who are not Christians. Maybe the person you came along with this evening. There are plenty of people who are not Christians whose lives are morally superior to those who are. You don't have to know very many people who don't call themselves Christians to conclude that there are plenty of people who are better than those who are. People who are nicer and kinder and more generous than those who claim to be Christians. But if you really understand the uniqueness of Christianity, that's not surprising, is it? Why? Because Christianity is uniquely not about our moral performance. It is about God's undeserved forgiveness. It's not about what we do. It's about what God has done in Jesus. Jesus was crystal clear. It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. So it's no surprise that the Christian church is is full of failures, full of moral failures. Indeed, acknowledging failure is actually an entry requirement for membership. So, considering the unique claims of Jesus Christ, God became man in Jesus. Religion is about our search for God. Christianity is about God's search for us. Jesus uniquely died on a cross to secure our forgiveness. Christianity is not about moral performance. It is about God's undeserved forgiveness. The third unique claim of Jesus Christ. Jesus rose from the dead to bring justice and to remake this world. See, Christianity is not about an escape from the world, but a commitment to God's renewal, God's remaking of the world through the death and resurrection of Jesus. Now, I know that for many people here, mention resurrection, and it raises another 101, 1,001 questions. You know, maybe you've already got questions about Jesus' claim to be God, and talk about resurrection, and it feels like we're piling in probability on uncertainty. And those questions are important. And they need to be addressed. But you know, sometimes it's at least worth being clear what is unique about the claims of Christianity before you then begin to consider whether or not you think those claims are true. And of course, just because something is incredible doesn't mean it's not true. If you hold that line, you will never get out of the starting blocks when it comes to quantum physics. There is an inaccurate but completely understandable misconception for many people that Christianity kind of rejects the physical world as evil and that Jesus kind of rescues us from the world to some sort of eternal heavenly paradise. Although, of course, for most people, what's on offer sounds anything like paradise. You know, it's all kind of white robes and open-toed sandals and eternal hymn singing, then understandably most people will give it a pass. But there remains true for many people this idea, this inaccurate misconception that Christianity rejects the physical world as evil and that Jesus, if you like, rescues us from earth to some kind of heavenly paradise. So all you need to do now is kind of religious things like going to church and all that kind of stuff because everything else is is worthless. But, you know, that has far more to do with Greek philosophy than it does with the Bible. This world may have been corrupted, may have been fatally corrupted by human rebellion. But God doesn't abandon the good world he's made. He is rather committed to bringing justice to this world and remaking it. 
And he has demonstrated that is the case in the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So, the Christian claim. There is only one God. And the veracity of that claim stands or falls on the person and work of Jesus Christ. So, what if God really became a human being in history in Jesus? Really? See, if that's a true, you, you, would be, you would be a fool, wouldn't you, to ignore what Jesus had to say? And what if what Jesus said is true and what Jesus did really happened? What if you and I really do need forgiving? Yes, for stuff that we've done, but more fundamentally for that, for our whole attitude to the God who made us. What if Jesus says that you and I really need forgiving and that his death is the only place that that forgiveness can be found? See, if that is true, really true, it would be a terrible mistake to imagine that religion or morality or some kind of vague spirituality is going to make you acceptable to God. And what if this God, man, Jesus, who really lived and really died, truly rose from the dead and he will both judge and remake the world that has rejected him? If that's true, it changes everything, doesn't it? You know, I don't know about you, you kind of fall through a busy week after week. You get to Friday, you finally make it here. We're, we're busy with families, with studies, with careers, even with our retirement. And yet the Bible says this, one day, The one true God who has made himself known in Jesus Christ will call this world to account, you and me. And he has given proof of that in the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Well, I'm going to hand back over to Pete.